You're listening to KJ Recaps. Welcome back to KJ Recaps. We are here recapping Stranger Things, Season 2, Episode 1, Mad Max. I am Jess. I am Kim. So, Kim, this is exciting for so many reasons because, A, Stranger Things is back, which is the first podcast we ever did. And normally, Kim and I record at a distance, but we are in the same room. Yay! I'm (laughs) so excited. All of this is exciting to me. Epic premiere of this episode and... I yeah, it's great to be back in Hawkins. It's great to be back with our Stranger Things. Agreed. Crew. And for you returning listeners, if you are returning, thank you so much. I hope you are noticing an improvement in our audio quality. <laughs> we worked hard on that. I'm going to tweet a picture right after this of what our sound booths and setup looks like. We've learned so much since we first started podcasting with Stranger Things last year. Yeah, I'm really excited to get into it. Episode one was amazing. Uh, I can't wait to uh, see the rest of the episodes. That's the hardest part about podcasting a Netflix show is because uh, you just want to binge the whole thing. But we are doing one episode at a time. (laughs) So we have only seen the first episode and we're going to do a podcast in between each one, just like we did for season one. Uh, So it is going to be amazing. But like, honestly, I'm just holding my breath, waiting for the moment that Barb inevitably comes out of the (laughs) There is an epic Barb tribute scene in this episode and I just was like oh this is so great and yes admire our fortitude listeners as we press stop at the end of every episode and don't just let it fly into the next one Um, so if you were a Stranger Things listener to our recap podcast uh, last year thank you for coming back uh, and certainly thanks to everybody who's dropped us a note over okay can I just say I have been we have been waiting to do this for months (laughs) on end but Phil If you are listening, Phil, thank you so much for our email. We did receive it. We tried to reply. We got a return undeliverable. So we have literally just been like waiting for months on end to tell you how much that your email on kjrecaps.com slash feedback made our day. And we appreciate it so much. So shout out to Phil. Thank you very much. And uh, if you guys have any feedback that you want to share, it's at kjrecaps.com slash feedback. We read them all. Absolutely. Uh, all of the upwards of 10. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't say the number, it sounds way cooler. I know. <laughs> I mean, like, I pictured that, like, Phil, during his, like, you know, three months of no response from us, was Big thinking sweet. either A, we were giant jerks, or B, simply had so much listener mail <laughs> that we did not get to it. Not the case. Although we have received some and it always makes our day. So thank you very much. And if you have um, anything that you want to share in terms of theories, we love our theories here on KJ Recaps also. Yes. So send us your theories. Keep them spoiler free, please, as we make our way through. Our plan is to try and release one of these podcasts a day. Uh, it's an ambitious plan, as unfortunately podcasting is not our full-time jobs. I don't know why, because <laughs> clearly it should be. Uh, but we are going to try and, and fit that schedule in. And also, if you haven't checked out one of our other podcasts, we do release podcasts in other feeds so that we don't clutter up with the different shows. But we've done, oh boy, this is where I always get put on the spot. We've done Westworld, Humans, The Walking Dead, and Glow. So please check out one of those feeds as well if you're a listener to this podcast and leaving a rating and review really helps us, really helps the podcast get found. This is something we're just doing for fun. So thanks to everybody. Okay, before we dive in. What? Okay, I really, (laughs) in anticipation of season two, I was going back in our season one podcast. And okay, so for anyone who's coming back, here's a little refresh of what you can expect here at KJ Recaps. Or if you are a new listener, here's what you missed. So we threw out a lot of theories It is so fun to do, especially on a show like Stranger Things that keeps you guessing. Um, And for every theory that we threw out, (laughs) we got so many wrong for every one that we got right. So here is some season one particularly (laughs) good theories that somehow did not come to pass. Okay, just a couple. So number one. Will's body was, in fact, found in the quarry, but his consciousness is in the upside down in some kind of ghost dad type scenario. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. 
amazing. Number two, the creature is actually what humans evolve into in some unknown future where somehow the lawn chairs next to Steve's pool are still standing. (laughs) I think there could be something about this. These are real theories, you guys. These are real things we said in season one. (laughs) Okay, wait. Wait, there's more. Um, Lonnie... Uh, Joyce's ex-husband is actually a covert operative employed by the Hawkins lab to gain Joyce's I trust. That. No, it turns out he's just a dick. So. He's just yeah. a dick, you guys. <laughs> um, and, of course, oh, wait, Barb's body is, in fact, that of a middle-aged man? Well, that goes back to the non-acceptance of Barb's death. And, I, Kim, I think all of the world was with you on that one because I think the show creators were amazed by how... Much people were affected by Barb's death, which and they apparently clarified. That, of course, death. is the last one. The grand theory of them all is that Barb will emerge from the upside down at the end of the season, wondering why everyone just left her for dead. <laughs> but we do get in this opener, we see that, Barb, you are gone but not forgotten. That's right. Your parents are looking for you. It's time for you to come from the upside down now because They're we're still holding out hope. They're making decisions, too. So, yes, we will... We're going to talk about that. We're going to go through this scene by scene. All this and more all is yours. More. That was a great recap, Kim. Thank, Thank you, you so for much. Going through and I did not this. include all of the theories that we got right, but these were some really choice ones that we got wrong. If you really want to see theories gone wrong, please do listen to our Westworld podcast because <laughs> it is just hours of us making the weirdest guesses of what's going on. Oh, so, my God. Yeah. Okay, well, let the theorizing begin. <laughs> Uh, so we are uh, in this first episode called Mad Max, um, and we get uh, this opener, cold opener, of we're in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, October 28th, 1984, and it's a bank robbery scene. Uh, the police basically are in hot pursuit of this giant van, and everyone in the car is frantic. They've ripped off their masks, except for one person who is not panicking at all. And she is commanding the uh, driver on routes to take without even really being able to see the routes. You know early on that there's there's clearly something going on here. Yes. Um, she ends up sending them through a tunnel. She's, like, super highly concentrating, and then she just, like, with her hands makes this like action and says boom boom and we are then back at the cop car point of view and it looks like the entrance to the tunnel explodes and that there's concrete everywhere that sure is what it looks like right and yet we get this kind of awesome turn of events where the other cop is like yelling at the cop who stopped who's trying to recover with the ringing in his ears he's like why'd you stop we're all like, well, because the tunnel fell apart. But it didn't. But it didn't. And it, it was, was in his mind, In you guys. his mind or in an alternate universe. I have no idea. So we can certainly have a discussion. I'm going to say in his brain. Okay. So you think she just like affected his mind? Yes. Okay. So Callie. She can do Callie it. is her name. And we see that tattoo showing number eight. So, I mean, like right off the bat. Here is a theory we were wrong about in season one, <laughs> which is which is that Eleven is the only child. We thought that like she was because she was sort of like unintended eleventh uh, uh, subject because Terry Ives was pregnant at the time of her. Right. Yeah. So like so we thought that like essentially Terry Ives and her cohorts were subjects one through ten and eleven was this unintended eleventh. Not the case, apparently. No, there's uh one through ten. And, uh, yeah, somewhere. Like, or at least it could be. Yeah, and based on the age of Callie, I mean it seems to me like she she's obviously older than eleven, but right. I don't think old enough to necessarily have been part of like the Terry Ives level yeah. of testing back yeah. in the seventies, so yeah, she definitely has some powers. And Callie is also wipes the blood from her nose after doing this. It clearly took powers to do, so that is the cold open. And then we get the epic credits. It's just so great to hear the music from Stranger Things again, even. Like, yeah. Just a, yeah. I mean, yeah, that's the telltale sign of a good show when you don't fast forward the credits. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> um, okay, so Dustin is frantically searching for change. <laughs> I did not realize that this would be, you know, such a 
a, a simple resolution to these scenes where like the boys are frantically looking for money. Mike is, uh, you know, panicked because he apparently forgot that he was supposed to be looking for change. He's too busy hoping that Eleven will message him. I mean, Mike's not That's in a good place. That's why he's on that channel. He is he's not, not in a good place. I know. But, uh, but yeah, so all of this frantic searching was uh, for the arcade. So <laughs> it didn't, <laughs> like, didn't go we... where I thought it was going to go. Um, so uh, ultimately, Dustin finds some change in the couch cushions while Lucas is making money like a man. I just love, like, I just want to say from the outset, I mean, part of what I forgot about why I love this show so much is that it takes you from like true children being children. It takes you through moments of funniness, takes you through some moments of some pretty big scares. And then these like heart wrenching moments, which we'll get to it a bit later, where like I... Yeah. It really gets to you. It gives you all the feels. It does. The feels, the full spectrum. It's everything. And this is just a great scene of like, you're expecting it to dive right into like, you know, the whole thing happening. It's like, yeah, like, no, they're going why to the are they so panicked? That's right. Oh, they're going to the arcade. They need coins. Also, Dustin's mom is cast perfectly. Really the expansion that we're seeing into people's parents, which is a lot of what we got this first episode, is some really great insight into the characters we already know and love, the kind of supporting cast behind them. And absolutely in the, like, is it her cat that she has? And yes, like, he is. <laughs> <laughs> amazing uh yeah so um so yeah mike is on the wrong channel we know that now it's because he is trying to contact al uh but uh in this moment they just simply cannot get a hold of him he's forgotten all about the arcade so what does he do he raids nancy's piggy bank the camaraderie between those two i think is kind of back to their regular sibling type relationship and that is another great piece so like we know from later on that we're basically almost at a year anniversary of everything that happened and so it is it's like there's moments where it clearly is not back to normal and there's moments where everyone's still behaving kind of like normal like like they were before exactly um so we're at the arcade dustin mike and lucas are still traveling everywhere on bike not so for will no and i would say rightfully so and there's scenes later where i'm like how are these kids still allowed to bike everywhere at night (laughs) given this kid like barb has gone missing permanently and and like okay so i get it the parents like aside from joyce and hopper the adults don't know what went down yes right but i mean the kids do if i were dustin or lucas or mike i'd be like i'm not going anywhere on this bike uh like mom drive me to the arcade because like i'm terrified for my life although they also solved the whole thing so like i think they feel like they can get themselves out of any sticky situation whatsoever i mean fair you can do whatever that's um but will is dropped off by joyce where she takes him through the rules again and she she will come get him and he is not to take off anywhere, etc. Um, so we get a great scene of Dustin playing Dragon Lair. Uh, he is not able to beat Lucas's top score and consoles himself by saying, well, it's okay. I have top score in other games like Centipede and Dig Dug. <laughs> but no. <laughs> no. Because this awesome pimply faced teenager who's like eight feet tall <laughs> and tries to like... Uh, get a date with Nancy in exchange for finding out who this Mad Max who has taken over the top score is. What kind of pull do you think that Mike has with his sister <laughs> so teenager? Like, Nancy, who has a boyfriend, right. is just going to be like, okay, Mike, if you say I should go on a date with if this Mike guy. went home and he was like, listen, Nancy, <laughs> I, need to find I, tra- I traded you for information on a high score on a game. I mean, like, She'd be like, fuck yourself. Absolutely. <laughs> and to Mike's defense, he's like, I'm not prostituting at my sister. Yes. This is total bullshit. So it doesn't Good even, for you, like, Mike. you know, consider it. Um, so while this is kind of, like, happening that everyone's arguing, we get this scene where Will, you know, notices things outside, ends up walking outside, and it's like, there's this huge storm I know. Very scary. Red sky. Mm-hmm. Everything is, like... Falling apart, the sign for the arcade is all decrepit and stuff. Yeah. And yet that breaks when Mike comes out to check on him. So, like, yeah, it's, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I feel like it must be that Will's mind is going between the two, but, like, his body continues to be present in the real world, right? Right. Yeah, it's like, it's tough. You get this throughout, right? Like the, 
even the scene at the end of last season where he's in the bathroom and then he barfs off the slug. Yeah. And then he, like, for a minute looks like he's back in the upside down. Like, he's in both simultaneously. So it has to be sort of that he... He, he, I mean, he isn't going through a portal like yeah. the, you know, like the creature was in season one. So he is somehow able to exist in both worlds. And he's at the not same in the time. black, weird vacuum space place where Eleven was able to communicate with him. Remember when right. she like was in the pool and she was able to like, yeah, see the barb was dead. Uh, like it's not that. It feels very much like you're back in the other place. So yeah. So I guess like what I'm wondering is like I have no doubt that his he is still present in the you know, in the real world. But he's... What I'm wondering is, like, is he actually present in the Upside Down or is he simply connected to it in some kind of psychic way where he can see what's happening there but isn't there? Like, if he had to travel to the Upside Down, I feel like he wouldn't be able to just, like, concentrate and be there. He would still have to go through a portal or something. Now, there's a scene later on where it feels more portal-y. Yeah. So we can talk about that. Yeah. Yeah. But but I I think that that makes sense. In the lab, you mean? Uh, At his house later on oh there's like it's like he's not so there's like scenes throughout this so in these moments and in the bathroom so like the biggest indicator if you are at a close-up shot of whether you're like in the upside down or not quote unquote is that particulate matter is like all around you yeah and then there's a scene later on where he's clearly like that's not the case but he's looking out at that storm when you see the giant like spider things for lack of a better and he almost seems to step through what looks like the door kind of turns into like, I don't know. It looks different than it does in like this scene where he kind of goes back and forth. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> Please send feedback to kjfrecast.com. <laughs> You're like Jessica. There is no portal there whatsoever. It's not a portal like the other ones we saw. Maybe maybe portal is the wrong word, but it feels more gateway-ish the way it's designed. Oh, we've introduced a gateway. There you go. You're that feels everybody. that feels yeah. good to me. That feels right. Um, okay, so we have a quick shot of the local paper with stories about Halloween activities, including a biggest pumpkin competition between Meryl and Eugene. Oh, man. That's going to come back. There's going to be pumpkin drama. Whew. Yep. Uh, Hopper arrives at work where he's greeted by a private investigator named Murray. We find out later in the episode that Murray has been hired by Barb's parents oh, to find Barb. I'm just the sads about this. Oh, but don't be sad because Barb will return. Oh, yes, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> because you know what always works out in TV is like weird private investigators slash like psychic slash God. conspiracy theorists. It will be hilarious when Hopper saves Barb in this season and then Barb's parents will be like, thank you, Murray. You did it. You really did it. Um, so Murray thinks he has something big and apparently this isn't the first time. Uh, he had other theories about alien abduction, I think. And right. he gets heckled by the other cops uh, for his past like outlandish theories but um this outlandish theory actually hits super close to home uh which is that he thinks there is a russian spy presence in hawkins which isn't true but all of the details about a child who has a psychic ability and um and the lab being related to trying to develop like weapons for the cold war like there's definitely a a, connection there yeah Yeah. um that's true so that sort of catches hopper's attention and then i love how he does this where he just like cuts the guy off like he's just like whoa okay i'll talk to you for five minutes yeah exactly like (laughs) just like getting him out of the presence of the other cops who are like unintentionally spilling the the beans you know town cops just the worst still way smarter yeah yep Oh my god. Okay, side note, at the very beginning when we were doing when we saw the bank heist before uh we realized that it was someone else from the lab, I thought it was like a flashback to like Hopper's time as a big city cop. Did I kind of you- wondered the same thing. Like yeah. I was like, why are we here? Is this a ho- like Hopper backstory or what? Yes. I mean, and although I'm very intrigued by Callie number 8, I'm also a little bit saddened because I was excited to see Hopper's you know, sort of big city. I, Hopper backstory, I would. I would Cop backstory. I mean, I know that we have, like, we have the backstory, of course, of, like, what prompted him to move to the small town the, like, was the really death of his parts, daughter. Yes. But, um, Maybe, like, but yeah, at the same time, I was excited by that. And then it turned out to be something different and cool. I also love in this scene how is that, like, old lady receptionist, whatever, just follows him around and, like, <laughs> tries like, to make... It's just, like, such a great running gag. Takes a cigarette out of his mouth, replaces the donut with an apple. He takes a bite of the apple and just spits the whole thing <laughs> out. <laughs> like, he's 
like, like so disgusted by it. You like your efforts are appreciated, but like this I mean, woman he, is trying so hard. So to hard. Just, like, also, just a side note, but do you see that David Harbour is going to be um, Hellboy? What? Yes. Yeah, I did not know that decision. So like. I don't know. I, th- I feel like I read something about, like, the shape he's having to get himself. I mean, he's a huge guy. So, like, yep. that kind of fits. But, like, I mean, Hopper is intentionally overweight. Heavy yeah, he's smoker. a little bit soft. Like, he looks like he sh- looks like he should. Like, he's kind of perfectly built that way. So, I don't know yeah. what how that works with the Stranger Things stuff. But, anyway. Oh, I will watch that mm-hmm. for sure. Uh, okay, so Hopper is meeting with Murray, uh, and he's sort of dismissing all of his theories. He's trying to throw him off the scent of Eleven, obviously. And uh, just as, like, Murray is starting to get into it, Hopper gets a phone call from the same lovely receptionist who tells him that there is a pumpkin emergency. You're welcome. These are the things that go wrong in Hawkins. <laughs> now, I would say this emergency turns out to be much more dramatic looking than it sounds when she reports it. Because, Agreed. like, it's pretty substantial... Pumpkin destruction. Damage. And there's no way that isn't related to something. It absolutely is. I don't think it's Eugene who poisoned those pumpkins. <laughs> Eugene's really jealous of the pumpkin. Pick your own pumpkin. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Wouldn't it be hilarious if they did have a legitimate side story that had nothing to nothing do with anything? Do. It was just like Eugene, the fucking worst neighbor, <laughs> who destroys all the pumpkins for his own gain. Like, it's really like going, going offside. Total, yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay, so uh, after Hopper and Marie, we get Nancy and Steve still together. True love. Yeah. Wah. Yeah. So I feel like the t- the shine is coming off Steve. Um, I mean, it certainly is for me. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like for Nancy too. Like so, this she's editing his essay and she's trying to be diplomatic about it and. I think she's okay with, like, the editing part. It's when he says, I don't really, I'm not going to need to go to school. I'm going to work for my dad, which means I can stick around. Like, I think that's where she's kind of like, oh, yeah, great. That right. would be awesome. Especially given the insight that we have into Nancy's character and her parents' relationship and how she views it. Yes. In that episode in season one when she and Jonathan are shooting at cans and hitting nothing. Right. When she's talking about, like, ultimately her mom just lived the life that, I don't know, that you're supposed to live. Yeah. And she... Settled. Yeah, she's yeah. settled. And, and that seems to be sort of what... Steve is talking about right. like I don't really need to pursue any dreams of my own I'm just gonna work for my father and then I can be here and we can be together in your senior year and whatever it feels subtly yeah 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 and it, rather than Steve being the cool guy who's kind of unattainable and out of her league which is kind of maybe how the excitement felt in the first season you know now she it's not like that and it's not like there's anything overt I mean she clearly is still super into him I'm not you know like there's scenes later on too but there's just something that feels like an undercurrent um, that doesn't feel like 100% happy. I would agree. And then we get the introduction of this babe from California. Okay, I really <laughs> thought, they, so this is what I thought was happening. Okay. It's like Steve and Nancy, they're going over the essay, undercurrent of everything not being quite as blissful as it was at the end of last season. And in rolls Jonathan right. after a summer makeover. That he is the new bad boy in town with the tightest pants. But it wasn't Jonathan. It was a different, just rolled out of bed, mullet wearing, (laughs) tight pants bad boy. With a more dramatic mullet. Like, that is a real shoulder length mullet. I mean, yeah, they weren't fucking around with that mullet. it was. You don't have the best hair in town anymore, Steve. I'm sorry to tell you. Absolutely. And quite the muscle car that he's driving. Uh, and, of course, what looks like to be his little sister gets out um, and gets on a skateboard. And we don't know quite that much about her yet, but we will in the next scene. So, so like, I know that it's very early yet, but, I mean, how do you see this character? The guy? The guy interweaving into our... Yeah, I feel like he may not play... I, I wonder if he's a vehicle for Max more than being a huge character himself. You think he's going to be a big... Yeah, I think that it doesn't make sense. Like, they could have easily introduced Max as a standalone. Without having him there. Right, yeah. so uh, I don't know what the answer is, but I think that there is going to be some involvement in him with 
Nancy and uh, Jonathan and Steve, like the teenager. Maybe a love square. You'll love square. Yes. I was thinking Do perhaps you think a love square. Substantial that they come from California? Mm, no. Like they just is. I mean, they're obviously new in town, so maybe that's just the whole reason for yeah. kind of showcasing that piece. Honestly, I don't know that I see Nancy and Jonathan continuing to sort of like explore romantic feelings yeah. this season. I really didn't feel anything of that vibe when they're, you know, granted limited interaction in this right. episode. But I wouldn't be surprised if Jonathan is no longer a romantic interest and instead it's this new bad boy who, who may come between Nancy and Steve. I don't know. For the record, I find myself shipping everybody in this show. So, like, I still really want Nancy and Jonathan to Agreed. be together and I want Joyce and Hopper to be together. Okay, so, like, I know that I'm going out out of order here but like okay so Bob is adorable and good for you Sean Astin you finally got the girl (laughs) of all the movies we've seen you in you get the girl in this one which is great so for now so Bob is adorable but like when we have that scene that's coming up of Joyce and Will meeting Hopper to go to the appointment at the lab I'm like that is the family unit that I I want that is what I want he meets like every week and goes as like the father figure in that and then he's looking after 11 I know (laughs) just to skip right to the end but then wait because like I am a fickle fickle TV watcher because when Bob is just the most adorable, when he like loves Kenny Rogers and he like literally whoops in excitement at the prospect of watching Mr. Mr. Mom, Mom. Yeah. I'm like, that is the man that Joyce needs. Right. It's normalcy. It's like, it's sort of a break from all of the and craziness. And it's still kind of hot. Like they have a like hot and heavy makeout session in I the know. back yeah. of the story. So it's not like there's not, it, it does seem like she's kind of getting... Everything she does not seem to have gotten in her love life to date. Agree. Uh, so, like, I think that they are, yeah. So this is the thing, honestly, is that if there were no more monsters, if there was not a giant spider that is, you know, living in a storm outside Joyce's house, I'd be like, <laughs> I am, I'm happy for Joyce and this normalcy, and I wish her and Bob right. all the best. But that isn't the case. There's a whole lot more drama to come and more action and more fighting. And I think that Bob is probably not going to be the support system that Joyce needs through that. And this is going to be too weird for him. He doesn't like scary movies, you guys. Stranger Things is not going to be a good place for him to be situated. (laughs) So true. Uh, So, I, yeah, I'm, I'm down with a Joyce and Hopper relationship. But, you know, Bob... I do like you. And I a think lot. one of them will fuck it up. Like between Joyce and Hopper. Like they just it's they won't be able to make it like maybe we get like, you know, almost like Yes. It almost perfect. Been, yeah. Like a jo- Jonathan Nancy thing and then it's like, what? How did this not work? Right. Um, yeah, we will see. Okay, so Will opens his locker and finds a copy of uh, the newspaper article, The Boy Who Lived, that was about him that we saw at the end of last season. And the article has been uh, written on with, like, it's like, you know, graffiti on his face, and then it says zombie boy written across it, which, not nice. I don't know. He's obviously, like, we see in... Kids are cruel, guys. I know. I just... We see in a a later episode when he's walking through the halls uh, to go to his appointment with Joyce and everyone's just staring at him. Like, it's got to be tough to be Will right now. Um, But in class, Mr. Clark is, like... Oh, talk about adorable. This guy is so awesome. I know. Uh, Just the way he talks, his whole, like, (laughs) thing is just amazing. I know. I know. What a good character. So um, so he's introducing the human brain and uh, Max comes in and then he introduces her as well to some drum roll by Dustin. So he introduces her as Maxine, but she says that uh, people call her Max. And of course, the boys recognize yep. that this could that be quickly. Mad Max. And they are all sort of infatuated by her. There is some... Um early obsession that's right I mean like really Lucas and Dustin are gonna take it to another level and um, Mike and Will I'm a little disappointed in you in the way that you're reacting to Max (laughs) just saying Uh, but uh, but more to come on that yeah but Mike's heart is in mind or elsewhere I know there's only so many like 12 year old girls that he can 
I mean, fair enough. I know that he is still pining for Elle and that he is holding out hope that she is still alive. Also, she is still alive, so that's amazing. Um, But, one, girls can play video games, and two, they can break records. Absolutely. And three, Mike, did you forget that, like, you introduced a girl to the group last season and weren't cool with it when yeah. Lucas and Dustin, less so Dustin, were like really judgmental. Not cool about it. Yeah. yeah. No, not not. I think it speaks more to Mike's state of mind than his actual like way of thinking. But Agree. Yes. Um, on a side note, uh, when we come to this uh, section, we can talk about it more. But like when Dustin and Lucas decide they want to ask Max a question, do you think they're going to invite her into the gang? <laughs> well, I think she's going to be really hard to. She's going to be a tough nut to crack. Agree. Agreed. Like yes. there's a story there for sure. They're new in town. She obviously has no interest in. Do you think Dustin and Lucas are going to have a falling out because they're both interested in her romantically. Yeah, I wonder if that I mean this is going to cause problems fairly soon. Like yeah. A love triangle almost as bad as a love square <laughs> is really hard to navigate. And like but I think it'll be interesting to just see her reaction to everything, right? Like Right. Yeah. Cuz she doesn't seem to I think that she's like, I'm excited for her to, one, be part of the group, and two, as part of the group, inevitably get up to speed on all of the crazy upside-down shit that's going to happen. And I think she's going to be a badass addition. Agreed. She's going to be riding her skateboard. Totally she's, that. Yeah, yeah. I'm really excited for yeah, that. Yeah, that's a really good point. Uh, so then we get this scene where we first do meet Bob, um, Sean Astin, which just like... Uh, so Kim and I had some pretty like dramatic um, Lord of the Rings references in our Westworld <laughs> podcast, so it just like felt amazing. Was it Westworld? Yes. No, I don't remember. Uh, honestly, them. you can work Lord of the Rings into any Anything. conversation. Yeah. So here we are uh, with Samwise Gamgee, and they get this like adorable little sexy scene in the back of the store that that Joyce is back to working at. Um, and they know each other from school, which we also will get a reference later because Hopper also will make fun of him. Bob um, the brain. Bob the brain from school. Um, and he clearly is integrated. Like, we just get some info here that this is not new. He knows the kids. It's movie night. Like, yeah. you know, it's kind of routine. Um, and this is where he says not to pick anything scary, which right. he, he gets. It's Mr. Mom. It is Mr. Mom. Yeah, I just, I love this character. I'm really glad they introduced him. I will be interested to see whether he sticks around for the scary stuff that's going to come, I'm sure, at some point. Probably and if he does. or put in like an egg or something <laughs> very soon. <laughs> <laughs> like, Bob, you're going to be an incubator. Bob, <laughs> Barb, both start with B. Whoa, mind blown. There you go. <laughs> Oh my god, it's so true. Like you, you can't make this stuff right? up, you guys. I should be a professional podcaster. <laughs> <laughs> These are the theories that people would pay money to hear. Okay, so Hopper's at Merrill's investigating the poisoned pumpkins, and the like whole yeah, crop is it's a rotten. Big deal. Like it is a big deal. Merrill is not not happy about <laughs> yeah. it, obviously. And it's like right before Halloween, which we know from the time of year. This is peak pumpkin season. That is true. So, um, like, Hopper isn't initially, you know, sort of thinking anything out of the ordinary, it doesn't seem. But then he sees, like, movement in the corn crops in the distance. And he is immediately on high alert. Like, he's walking through these corn crops, gun drawn. Like, it really yeah. is a buildup that the show that the show Oh, they're good at the jump yeah. scares. Yeah. Good old Stranger Things. Yeah. They are. So it turns out that it is a crow. At least we think it's a crow. Right. Whether or not there was something else lurking in the the corn stalks. The we way don't know. the wrestling was, it did not sound crow-ish. So no. it And does... we have another moment of these types of like buildup of noises and whatever when Dustin is going home later in the episode. Yes. Which was another sort of like it was a quick cut to um, from the garbage can where something seemed to be lurking to Joyce popping popcorn. Yeah. So, like, I'm still not 100% clear sort of, like, what that was. But, I mean, like, something seems to be out and about. Yeah. You know, lurking around. Yeah. Yeah. Other, other than the giant spider monster. I mean, A, we we're pretty sure something like that is going to happen. B, obviously, like, there's tons of shit still going down. 
in the town of Hawkins that is being kept quiet. So that's it right. Would not be shocking to hear that something is out and about. Agree. Uh, so a quick scene at the school, Nancy and Steve um, are walking together. Nancy gets a flyer for Halloween party um, and she gets an extra for Jonathan, who's there as well. And uh, he says he's not interested. He has plans with Will. And she's like, those plans will end at eight because he's your little brother. Right. And we're going to get Will even say later, like, I seem to be your only friend. Yeah. So like Jonathan just seems kind of. But you know what? I feel like he's fine with it you know i mean i this isn't like a um a less sullen more confident true yet still loner jonathan this season and i mean like if you think about it like all the things that he went through last season thinking he lost his brother getting his brother back finding monsters are real whatever just a couple things yeah exactly i i feel like he's like i don't care about high school bullshit anymore so i think that he's fine with it and like i really love that scene between him and will later especially when he's like who would you rather be friends with bowie or kenny rogers and will's like you know, doesn't even have to answer. It's yeah. obvious. And then Bob's like, I love Kenny, Kenny Rogers. Rogers. He's like, some people like Kenny Rogers. I love Kenny Rogers. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, so the boys are watching Max from a distance. Uh, she is skateboarding, and they're debating whether or not she could possibly be Mad Max. We said already, Mike you and Will. sexists. That's right. Yeah. Mike and Will are thinking she couldn't possibly be because she's a girl. Uh, Dustin and Lucas believe that she is for a couple of reasons. A, her name is Max. The deductive skills are really unbelievable amongst this force. <laughs> That's right. Uh, B, she skates boards and therefore obviously awesome. Uh, so they see Max drop a note in the trash and it turns out that she's telling them to stop spying on her. You I like Max's style. Me too. She like she literally hasn't said more than one sentence. So and I'm like, I like that yeah, character. She said her name is not Maxine. That's yeah. as far as we got. Um, so then Will is, uh, is collected by the principal. He says that Joyce is waiting for him. So they're on their way to the appointment that we've already talked about a little bit. Um, students stare at him as he passes in the halls. And then the rest of the boys wonder whether Will's okay. And that it's obvious that this is a regular occurrence because they say he's always sort of weird when he has to go to these appointments. But today he seems especially quiet, which is probably because of like this storm episode that he had the night before at the arcade. Yes. Um, so the appointment. So do you think that this is at the same building that we spent all the time in last time? I don't know. So So what makes you think that it's not? Uh. Did you find the outside shot didn't look right? Yeah, I found that the outside shot I didn't recognize as the building that we looked at from season one. Though, to be fair, I did not go back and look. I didn't have the time. The second was that I was just, I was initially skeptical that that Joyce was taking Will back to the very people. So that's that, what I have a hard time with too. Yeah. Like I, yes. But it it seems like I think this it is. is the same lab. It's yeah. the same building. And the new doctor, uh, what's his name? Paul Reiser. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but what's his name in the show? I think uh, it's they greet Sam him or something. On. They yeah. greet him at some point. Yeah. Um, but he is very Brenner-esque. Completely. He's more charming than Brenner. He is. yeah. Um, he puts on a better show than Brenner, but like, I don't understand why Joyce and Hopper would go back to the same lab. And of course we still don't know the deal with Hopper and whatever deal he has going on because at the end of last season, he was picked up by this sort of like clandestine, uh, group in Mm -hmm. a car, in an unmarked car, whatever, you know, which presumably were people from the lab. Like what? is the deal here. And then we have the doctor waving to Hopper after the appointment as if they know each other and Hopper doesn't respond. Respond. And I don't know. We Hopper is too smart a character that we have had him catch on to way too many things too quickly for him to just be there naively. Mm-hmm. So is it that it's mutually beneficial in the sense that they're the only doctors that they could possibly go to where Will could actually be monitored in a serious way knowing what he's actually been through because a normal doctor is not gonna like yeah I mean like that's a really good point ultimately there's something wrong with Will I'm glad to know that they know like at the end of last season Joyce did not know right that there was something wrong with Will that he was coughing up slugs and whatnot (laughs) um so so, as one does yes. yes 
So I'm glad to know that they are now aware. Right. And ultimately, their hands are then tied. To your point, they can't just go to, like, their GP and say, like, my son's coughing up slugs after his time in an alternate dimension. You know, <laughs> Do you have like, anything he could take for that? <laughs> exactly. Right. Do ibuprofen. <laughs> um, so, so, yeah, it must just be a matter of having no other options. Yeah, and, like... You just you wouldn't think that it's not been being recorded. So he says to them, you know, he's making all this awkward small talk with Will, and he does make an effort. Like he he is warmer and less creepy yes. in the you know most literal reading of it than Brenner. It's fitting that Will's candy of choice is Reese's Pieces. Yes, et throwback. It absolutely is. Um, but like you know, he says none of those doctors are none of those people are here anymore. Or whatever he says that like to try and set them at ease. But you're in that same building. The session is being recorded, which and watched in another room, which we get to see very like early on. Um, and the doctor ends up chalking this up to this like anniversary effect and kind of references early research into PTSD and that his recommendation is to just ignore the symptoms. Which yeah, that's not good. Yeah. Um, but, like, you know, those people are gone. You have to trust me. But, like, anyway, all I can hope is that this is something that Hopper and Joyce are eyes open about. I think that would make a lot more sense. I mean, we definitely get that little bit from Joyce where once the doctor asks her to trust him, she's, like, incredulous. And she's like, is he kidding me? Trust yeah. him? You know, so we know we know that they don't fully trust him. Yeah. Um, and that and that must, you know, be our strongest indication that ultimately they're going back to see them because they have no other options. So a couple of things that I'm interested in is the first is that are, is everyone then of the opinion that Will is simply having traumatic flashbacks that, that this is not like a current um, insight or connection with the upside down. Do they simply think that he's having like night terrors and, and PTSD, but not a real ongoing connection to that place. So, like, my guess is that that is not what the doctor really thinks. I agree. Right? So that's what he's saying, and he's got... Exactly. But, you know, behind the scenes, I think they're super interested. And, like, even... Like, we get to see the output from Will, you know, his, like, mind or heart rate or whatever that little like strip of paper that's coming out of those machines is and there's clearly a reaction he's having he's having a very visceral reaction to whatever it is right so like i feel like they are getting readouts and information that maybe would be and then they're just being told oh it's just ptsd so okay and then also after joyce and hopper leave and the doctor goes downstairs to sort of like supervise yes so they have gotten a little more high tech. Yes. Which is amazing. That's right. Technology in general has improved in this season. Yeah. We've got camcorders. That's right. We've got updated it's the hazmat future. suits. Yeah. It exactly. is the future, you guys. Um, so so when they go down, he greets this like soldier or I mean, I don't know if he's a soldier, but someone who's in a hazmat suit with a flamethrower who's going to approach the same portal that from last season. I think mark? so. Yeah, I think so too. And and that egg thing. The, the egg was there? Well, is that what he flamethrows? Well, okay, so that was my question. So my question was that, is he flamethrowing sort of like organic matter around the portal? Is he flamethrowing the portal itself? Well, I thought maybe it was the egg thing. That, like, maybe they're trying to figure out if the they The egg can, thing like... that Will hatched out of. <laughs> like Theory from many, season like... one. I shit you not, that was in fact said. <laughs> Did you listen to the entire season? Like, I mean, how do you know he said all these things? I just have blocked it all from my brain. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, I I, uh, like I didn't listen to them all end to end, but I, like, oh I, I skimmed through quite a bit. You're a glutton for punishment. Uh, yeah, I don't know. But remember the big thing that was, like, stuck to the wall? Yes. Like, so do you think they're going in there to flamethrow this thing to see if they can destroy it? Well, my my <laughs> thought was that my thought was that the show was faking us out a little bit. Right. Okay. You know, so I was thinking that like the show is making it look like they are destroying the portal when in fact I was thinking that they were like clearing themselves a path because this organic matter and stuff has sort of like But I read it as they haven't they're trying things and are not successful. 
Like, because Paul Reiser, a.k.a. Doctor Whose Name I Don't Know, um, guy from Mad About You, yes, uh, says, if you know that reference, you are over the age of 30. <laughs> uh, he says, like, oh, going in for, like, a barbecue again. or so. He makes some joke about the fact that it's a flamethrower or going in hot and heavy or something about it. Right, right, yeah. And the guy is like, yeah, it never gets old. Like, and it kind of references... Oh, you're really picking up on details that well, I did not pick up on. Maybe that's, like, out to lunch. But anyway, just it feels like maybe they're trying this over and over and over again. Or, like, trying to do something to maybe make that egg thing do something. Like, it's almost like everyone's been in a holding pattern for a year. So, like, obviously there's new staff. There's, like, new technology. There's now a... a double lock door process before you go in there because <laughs> right. that's, you know, not going to all fall Airlock. apart when everything goes problem. Yeah. Yeah. But like... <laughs> so it's like if the monster comes out of the portal and then like pauses and like... <laughs> all this like air really comes down on it and then it's like, great, thanks. <laughs> like, ding! <laughs> the best thing about sitting in a room together when we podcast we can do hand gestures of like the four, you know... Four-way uh, phase. Four-way phase opening Predator up. phase. Exactly, the predator phase. Um... Like, obviously, we're not supposed to know what happened there. It's intentionally um, vague. Vague. But, like, my impression just watching it, like, the one time was that it's something they've tried to do again. And, like, maybe they're trying to get some sort of reaction, whether that's destroying it or getting it to open up or getting it to, like, react. Like, they're trying to, like, prompt it. Yeah. And it hasn't been working. That sounds good. Um, okay, so Dustin and Lucas are scoping out the arcade. They're waiting for Max to arrive. Um, so we get a little bit of a taste of the fact that the two of them might be going after the same woman. Um, and the first of the two times that Dustin, like, purr growled. I'm not going to lie. It made me really uncomfortable. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, you're right. Twice. Twice. <laughs> um, so anyway, she gets to the arcade. She has a big argument with the driver of the vehicle, which I assume is the same driver from earlier, which is the tight pants mullet hot That shot. seems to be his muscle car. So, yeah. Yes. Uh, and then they witness her being awesome at video games and conclude that she is, in fact, Mad Max. So I don't think there was a doubt in anyone's mind, but it's true. Uh. So then we're at dinner uh, with Michael, and I would say once again, Michael and Nancy's parents, uh, worst parents of the year. Like, his dad is just... I mean, honestly, I should learn his dad's name, but it says something about this character that I care so little about him that he's I such a don't. Dick. I mean, he's, he's obviously worst. it's intentional, but like, so they're having this, um, Karen is telling him that, it's like his mom, that he has to pack two boxes for the yard sale, and then it kind of devolves as you learn that Michael is suffering more than maybe we kind of saw in the initial scenes with him because they took away his Atari because he broke into his sister's baby bank. So, yep. you know, punishment. Fair. Um, but that he's getting it. They have like kind of a list of like things that he's getting yeah, into and trouble it's with. It's like he's, you know, it's not small stuff no. either. Like he plagiarized a paper and yeah. he graffitied something this or whatever. This is a kid who like. This is not no. the Mike that we got to know in season one. No. So, I mean, like, to be fair, I mean, to Karen at least, because I don't care about his dad. But um, <laughs> that she, they don't know that he lost Agreed. a friend. He doesn't, they don't know that to Mike at least, his friend is potentially dead. Yeah. Um, but I do think they are the most clueless parents in yeah. the entire world. And then, like, his dad has this analogy that he takes super far about, like, benching you after, like, three strikes or, like, he's had, this like, 20, 20 outs. Yeah. And he's, like, some places you'd be off the team. And the face that, like, Mike gives him is amazing. It's just, like, what the fuck does that mean? Like, I'm out of the family? Like, I don't even it's understand like, this analogy. That's it, Mike. You, you plagiarized and you graffitied, like, so we're going to have to cut you out of the family. Thanks for the parenting there, Dad. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. But they do they do, do a great job of making him just the worst cliche. Yes. yes. And clearly what he's intended there to, to be is just like, yeah. this is his parenting he's issuing from on high, and it's terrible, all yeah. of it. Absolutely. So yes, Mike is getting like no support, and nobody knows what he's really been through, so yes. Uh, and then Nancy and Steve, really cute, go and have dinner at Barb's parents' house. Like, yeah. they really are good people. And um, clearly, this is something I think they probably have done regularly. And But they don't relish it. No. Like, They've that's rescheduled a, that's a once chore. already. Yeah. yeah. And um, 
Yes, there's. Sorry, I'm reading Kim's notes. There is some conspicuous KFC product placement, <laughs> including the slogan, it's figure looking good. Later you guys, on from it's Steve. not subtle. It's not <laughs> subtle. Uh, which is amazing. Um, but Barb's parents seem surprisingly upbeat, which is kind of surprising until you hear that it's because they have hired uh, this Murray Bellman guy who is their investigative journalist. And it turns out their house is up for sale because it's taken like pay every him. last penny to pay this guy. Yeah. And, and they're upbeat because they're hopeful. Yeah. And then, I mean, for Nancy who to knows? know yeah. that... It's all in vain. I mean, I say no, but what I mean is think strongly, but maybe it's not true. Maybe Nancy saw the numerous late night interviews with the creators of uh, Stranger Things who all confirmed that maybe Barb is in fact dead. she did, but I did not. I didn't see. I'm not joking. I saw none of them. I didn't watch the trailers. I am spoiler free, you guys, and I am free to dream. But I feel like they think it's not a spoiler. They're just like, no, guys, we showed Barb dead in an egg thing. Like, she's dead. Pretty sure that was a middle-aged man. (laughs) It was kind of hard to tell. Uh, I'll give you that. And then just like, this actually was the most gut-wrenching scene for me, is Nancy crying in the bathroom by herself. Yeah. Knowing that Barb is dead quote-unquote um and that that her parents are a this optimistic that they're just like we're gonna find barb yeah like and then b that they are like mortgaging their house like who is this guy like that made me so mad yeah that he is there like at first you're kind of like oh maybe he could hit kind of close to home at least on the conspiracies but he's charging them the value of their house yeah And this is why, too, I mean, like, that gives us new insight into what Hopper says earlier in the episode when he tells Murray, like, get out of town, stop bleeding these people dry, like, get out. And it's too bad these guys are so against Hopper because, like, we know that that's, you know, that's not how it should be. But I can totally, I mean, there are some really unanswered questions here because it's that messed up. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and then Nancy and Steve, too, they just have to kind of sit there and listen to them being so wrong about everything. It is heartbreaking. Yeah. Um, so Mike is half-heartedly choosing some toys for the yard sale when he picks up the Millennium Falcon that Eleven made fly in season one. So it makes him think of her, obviously, and he gets in his blanket fort and tries to contact her on the walkie-talkie. So um, that really confirms the reason why Mike is on the wrong channel when all of his friends are on a different one is because he's trying to talk to Elle. Um, so... Uh, he thinks that Eleven responds to him only to find out that... Do you think it wasn't him? Like, it wasn't her? I don't know. I don't know either. It was definitely... sounds so much like her. But, I mean, it is Well, it definitely is her. But, like, is it in his mind versus... Yeah. Yes. I would like to think that it is her. Right. Um, I don't know why, though, like, if, um, if she can't reach out to him or sorry if she is not supposed to be reaching out to him then fair enough yeah but um like okay it would only make sense to me if that was l and then dustin cuts in if like she can't reach out to him and is like you know able to break through for a snippet and then it's lost right but we know that that's not true she's safe at this house with hopper yeah. so like no, if she point. wanted to reach out to him she could just like continue talking yeah so yeah maybe it's not it like she's trying to break through from the other yeah 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 no, do you know what i'm saying yeah very good point yeah Um, Okay, speaking of this, before I forget, though, like, walkie-talkie was a big uh, sort of part of the storyline in season one. I think camcorder is going to be a big thing in season two. Yeah, I think that maybe there's going to be footage caught on the camcorder or whatever, but, like, this is definitely a show, in my opinion, that does not introduce things for no reason. Right. And we did have, or we're about to have, I'm not sure which... Uh, about, to have. about to have the scene where um, Bob is videotaping Joyce. So I think that's going to come back a little bit more later. But yeah. in any case, before we get to that, uh, Dustin and Lucas are trying to um, get Mike excited about the fact that they cracked the case. Mad Max is, in fact, Max. So <laughs> Mike has no time for yeah. this. Yeah. <laughs> just, yeah. Uh, and this is where we have that creepy scene with Dustin, possibly a noise in the driveway. Cuts to Joyce making Jiffy Pop. So, yeah. question marks. 
uh, and Bob taking the video of Joyce. We have this discussion between Jonathan and Will, which I think we've discussed um, a fair bit. But basically, you know, he sees Will drawing the zombie boy cartoon and he just makes this great case for, you know, why being a freak is the best um, and compares Bowie <laughs> and Kenny Rogers. Um, and then, yeah, we get this this fun scene with Bob. So Bob whoops in delight. Just, like, loves it. I know. Yeah. Uh, and they're all watching the movie together when the phone rings. Obviously, the phone ringing harkens back to season one where that was an incredibly dramatic turn of events. Yeah. Joyce visibly tenses. Even just the way they've cut the sound in, it really kind of jangles your nerves as a viewer like you're just really not sure totally. and they let it hap- like go on so Bob tells her to let it go she does let it ring do you think it was just like dramatic effect like there's nobody I think it was dramatic effect Yeah, but it also made me wonder how informed is Bob on the events that took place in I feel like not informed not informed so that's just my guess yeah I think that you're probably right and he's telling her, like, just let it ring yeah, it's a, because it's an inconvenience and we're watching a movie. Yeah. Not because there's... Holy shit, this is good. Like, wh- yeah. where would you even start? The fact that he's not going with Will to these appointments. Right. You know what I mean? Like, I just think it's maybe something that they've kept amongst the people who, who would witnessed it. Who would believe them? Who would? Yeah. Like, Joyce was treated like a completely insane person. Right. And probably still is a bit in the community. So, Yeah. Yeah. But as we know from season one, Joyce doesn't give a fuck. That's right. It's the best the part about Joyce. Yeah. Yep. Um, so at the lab, a tech is distracted but finally notices that every like, fucking light how, and alarm in the whole room is lit up. How are the we at a point where like, I'm sorry, less than three hundred and sixty five days ago, a fucking monster with four mouths like openings came through to this world and you're gonna sit right beside it listening to music? You need like better I know they're new people, but like what? Yeah, this is terrible. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, so uh, all of the lights going crazy, indication that the monster Something's or happening. a monster has come through the portal. Agreed. Or yeah. like something stirring near it. Or yes, it's not good. Yeah, doesn't bode well for that guy. It has to be more than just like an alarm is sounding. No, no, that, yeah. Of like you know, obviously. Alarm sounding and lights flashing doesn't mean a good thing. No. But when you look at the way that those lights are flashing. Agreed. It looks very much like, like the Christmas lights. Very much yeah. like the Christmas lights in a sort of a circular fashion almost. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. That is a monster right there, you guys. Uh-oh. Retro. Um, so uh, back at Joyce's, the house is quiet when Will wakes up to pee and then he hears rumbling outside and he goes to check it out. So this is the part that you're talking about, hey, where it's like he's standing in the kitchen and the kitchen door opens on of its own volition. Exactly. So I get what you're saying. So like outside, it's almost like he's stepping into the upside down. Well, there's like a round thing around the door almost. Like it, it I don't know, maybe. So like. It just feels like it's a gate. Yeah, it's like something. And then yeah. in the house, it doesn't look like the upside down. Like all the other times, he's. it feels like he's kind of like in a place where the whole time it feels different. And now yeah. it feels like the house is normal and the outside isn't. Whoa. Wow. Okay, that is... That is interesting. I should um, rewatch that yeah, scene. Yeah, we'll we're going to go back to that scene and take another look. And then a uh, giant spider monster that is yeah. like impossible. Giant enormous. isn't even the word. Yeah. Like, because it looks so far away and yet is like into the sky. So it's not good. In your opinion, based on like literally nothing at this point. But like, is this monster related to the monster that we saw in season one? Is this an entirely different species that I. I well, also what did you think inhabits the same world? Because we didn't talk about it, but what did you think about him saying, like, when the doctor's kind of probing what he was seeing, and mm. he's like, I felt like it wanted to hurt. It didn't want, he's like, didn't it, did it want to hurt you? No. But it wanted to hurt, like, everybody else? Well, I felt like, um, essentially, for better or worse, I feel like Will is part of the Upside Down now. Right. So it's like he's, yeah. Yeah. So, so, um, 
I don't know. It's like it's like in The Walking Dead when you're covered in Walker blood in some episodes, but not all. Um, that uh, that you then kind of like become immune to the gaze of walkers because they sort of recognize you as one of their own. Totally. And that I think is what's happening with Will is like he he is a part of that world and therefore like not the one that this monster is going after. It's everybody else. Right. So he's like kind of transcends between the two worlds and but it's not good for humanity as an entirety. No. Uh no, it's if, not. <laughs> like if that's the case. Um and I and as for what these guys are, I don't know, like, it's is it a completely different? Like, if we're talking about the Upside Down was one dimension, we talked about, like, the multi, like, dimension theory um, last season mm-hmm. a fair bit. Like, is it that? Um, I don't know. So maybe this has nothing to do with where the Demogorgon, the world the Demogorgon came from, because it doesn't quite look the same with that crazy red sky or is it an evolution beyond it yeah i i don't agree with that i think it is the same world okay i do i just think that like just in terms of logistics that i don't know it makes sense to me that it's all of the same world it i would mean be too if, complicated yeah i think it would be too complicated and then if you look at will like based on what we had just said like will is part of that world and therefore not you know sort of a target of this monster but if right. it's a different world then other what? than his ability to possibly transcend like these multiple dimensions based on something that happened to him but i mean maybe absolutely like we don't know yet so that's entirely possible i'm inclined to think that it's all the same world we yeah. did have the conversation last season where it's like the their dimension their world is probably the size of the world yeah. so like there has to be more than just one thing living in it yeah you would think um, plus there's all these like eggs and weird slugs and like, I don't know what that long snaky thing was yeah. in Will's mouth. I mean, all of that has to be connected in some way to like the birthing of new and different monsters. I don't yeah. think that like Will birthed a giant spider monster. But. He brought it here. Yeah, no, that's, yeah, that's, I think I'm like, I'm affected. I read this book this summer, The Fold by Peter Kleins, and it is all about multiple dimensions if that isn't a theory that interests you, it's worth a read. It's it's the end's a bit disappointing, but it is kind of just for the concept of it. And so I think like that's kind of affecting me in terms of my consideration of multiple dimensions and yeah. just like what could be slightly different in each of them and maybe there's different monsters in different ones. But yeah, I mean maybe from the perspective of him having this ability to transcend, blah, blah, blah. So maybe something's happening in that world. <gasps> uh oh. What if, okay, so in season one, we were told that an immense amount of energy um, is is what created the portal. Right. So if there's an immense amount of energy that created a portal, and then, you know, that was presumably by Elle earlier in the When she season, that has right? the reaction... Um, yes, when yeah. she's in the bath. Yeah. And then there is another, like we haven't talked about Eleven yet, but we know that she's alive. So there's an, another enormous amount of energy that's expelled at the end of the season when she, you know, sort of, I don't know, kills slash banishes the monster, is. whatever it was. And yeah. then she herself disappeared, I believe, in the Upside Down. And now she's back and whatever. But like, what if these giant forces of energy that are kind of like being... I don't know, sent in the direction of the Upside Down as having an impact on that world itself. It sounds very plausible. I mean, maybe. Maybe this energy making the sky go red. Maybe (laughs) the energy directed at the monster at the end of last season transformed it into a giant spider. But wasn't there a thing in the last season about the monster in the last season possibly being afraid of, like, another monster? Yes, but. <laughs> yes, like, I think I think possibly, or maybe we just said that. But ultimately, like, remember when we, we said in season one that we were like, this might not even be the big bad. Right. There might be something might be much bigger and much scarier well, we out saw. there. And then we saw the size of the egg, and we're right. like, there's not a chance that that, that monster had, yeah. laid that egg. Right. Thus, Will hatched out of it. Right. 
okay, that made no sense then, and it doesn't make sense now. I'm going to move on. But either way, giant okay. spider. Okay, we'll continue to see where this goes. Yeah. Um. So the final scene is the appearance of Val. Yay! Yay! Uh, this is a surprise to exactly no one. Yeah, exactly. Uh, in a cabin in the woods, uh, which is obviously protected by awesome trip wires anti exactly it's secret door knocks that's right um and there are some half-eaten egos on the table dead giveaway two tv dinners waiting to be eaten and she uh tells him that he it's 815 and he's late (laughs) so cute i know and she said to signal next time he'll signal yes i don't know what that must have some way of telling her whether he's coming or not or that he's going to be late uh and then he reprimands her for eating dessert of egos before dinner Okay, Eggos are a terrible dessert. They are a terrible dessert, unless you're 11, in which case she loves them. Um, and they just, like, sit and eat dinner together as a little family of I two. I know. It's, it's very familiar. Yeah. Like, they are living together. Like, Hopper, I think, he seems like he's given up his, uh, like, gross beer can filled apartment yeah and now he's got his, a little life in the woods where with dinner's Elle, made with him yeah where yeah. you know like he they they have like found what they have lost in each other father and daughter heart heart all the feels uh, and that is the end of episode one. So <gasps> eight more to go on this nine episode season. So thank you guys for sticking with us. I'm so excited. And uh, we will see you tomorrow with episode, episode two. two. Yes. And feel free to leave your feedback at kgrecaps.com slash feedback. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter. And leave us a rating review if you have the chance. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Kim. Bye. Bye.